you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. I want you to think about a problem that needs solved. You got it? What you think about in the world, a problem that needs solved. And on three, I want you to say out loud that problem. One, two, three. So some of y'all didn't say anything, so you have no problems in the world. Problems. We, 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 all, we all have them. We would all agree that there are problems. You, you turn on your television set and in the news, really all they do is tell you about the problems that are in the world. You shout at your TV screen, talking back to people who can't hear you about the problems that are in the world, right? Uh, problems, they're, they're, they're for real. I remember as a middle school uh, student, that that problem that maybe you didn't face, uh, but I faced, going to school, and I have no idea why, that right on the tip of my nose, that red zit appeared. Now, I noticed some, they're like, hey, Mark, you're talking about problems like world peace and injustices. I mean, there are a lot of big problems in the world, but to a middle schooler, <laughs> When you're headed off to school and you already wear glasses that are so thick you can see Mars, I'm telling you, it's just is like, uh, why, right? There's problems, pressure points. Some of you have problems with your neighbors at one o'clock in the morning. They're still playing their drum set and you're praying to God that there would be world peace in your neighborhood, right, before you go to war against them. Hey, problems, driving out on 200, there's problems, right? There, there are bigger problems, the things that we see that really hurt and tug and, and sorrow and, and loss. We would all agree that there's problems. The real debate and the tension is who's responsible to solve them? Whose job is it to, to fix this problem? And that's where the debate begins. That's where the arguments start. We start pointing fingers and blaming and complaining and defending. And too often, those problems go unsolved. In your Bible, I want you to join me in Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to look at a story interesting there are only two miracles that God records in all four of the Gospels. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Only two miracles are recorded in all four Gospels. First, the resurrection. The ultimate miracle, Jesus, God's son, who was dead, as we've sung about this morning, is no longer dead. He is alive. And because Jesus is alive, the big problem that we all have called sin has been set to the side and we all can now have freedom in Christ. The second problem, the second miracle is maybe a familiar story to you. It's known as the feeding of the 5,000. Check it out in your Bible or the big Bible on the screen, Matthew chapter 14. Now, the context is this. 
Jesus has just heard about the beheading of John the Baptist. There's a problem. It's his good friend. There's sorrow. There's loss. There's injustice. So when we lean into the spiritual space, it's not this kumbaya, everything in the world's just fine. Say a little prayer, read your Bible a little bit more, and, and everything will be just, just how you want it to be. There is a real problem. There is hurt and pain and loss. And Jesus, when he heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Problems do that to us, don't they? When you feel the pressure and the stress and the anxiety, a lot of times we just want to pull up. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. We got a problem, Jesus. There's 5,000 men plus the women plus the children. Hey, hey, we've got no fast food. We have no grocery store. We need to send them away now. This problem, if this problem stays here, we're going to be in deep weeds. And notice the response of Jesus. Verse 16, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. Look at this statement. You give them something to eat. You give them. You step in and be the solution. But immediately, look, and this is the tension in our society, in our culture, in our families, in our neighborhoods today. The excuse, verse 17, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fishes. We, we, we don't have enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough money. I, I'm not, I, I, we, 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 we can't do this. And then Jesus answered, bring them here. That's the five loaves and the two fishes. And then he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were all satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate, it was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Uh, another gospel, they said, hey, listen, to feed this many people, it's going to take eight months of salary. That's an expensive lunch. Some of you are going to go out to lunch today and imagine if your lunch today cost you eight months of this year's salary. Talk about inflation issues going on in the world today. They, they came to this conclusion, we can't do this. We're told that maybe there's a recession that's coming. I, I, I don't have enough. I have just enough for for, for me. And then God steps in and says to the disciples then and says to the disciples this morning, you feed them. You feed them. I, I, I want you, I want you to step in. I want you to become the solution to this pain point that these people are having. And this is the rub. 
Because often, right, as Christians, we want God to step in and fix my problems. We want God to take care of me, and he does. But then he turns to the disciples, and he says out loud, and to all the Christ followers in the house this morning, if you're a Christ follower. Now, if you're not a Christ follower yet, this is not a conversation between you and God. This is a conversation between God and Christ followers. You feed them. That problem, that pressure, that, that, that injustice that you see in the world today, instead of talking about it, instead of blaming somebody else, complaining, I have given the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit through the resurrection of Jesus, who now lives in you, and you feed them. But this is the problem. Is we'd rather God say, those guys over there, you feed them. Them people over there, you feed them. The idea of God looking to me, to you, and our responsibility stepping out as we led the students this week at camp was not to just consume all of the content that the teachers and that the camp was providing, but for them to begin to believe that God had created them uniquely to step out into their middle school, step out into their high school campus, and to make a difference in this world. And so in this story, there's a need. That need always gets somewhat summed back up to, to money. Eight months of salary. Oh my goodness, are really God? Is this what it's what it's all, all about? And again, this is another tension that we have. We follow Jesus. We're so thankful for the God story. We're glad for the Bible. We're glad for Jesus and everything. But then when it starts talking about our personal finances, that becomes a little bit of a um, um, off-the-table topic. I understand, and I've taught this before in the past when it comes to money money is not evil money is essential god's not against money in this story there is a need there are resources that are need to feed five thousand people here's a quote that i've shared with you in the past you can write it down money if money would speak to you money would say i can add meaning to your life but i'm not the meaning of life that's all. Money can add meaning to our life. With money, with resources, we can step out into this world and we can add meaning. We can make a difference in this world, but money doesn't add meaning to you. You are you. You are valuable. God created you. God has designed you. So this morning, what if, like the disciples then today, what if we really began to look at our stuff, the money, the skill sets that God has given to us, what if we began to look at it not as something for us to consume, but for us to deploy to make a difference in this world? When it comes to the resources, Jesus, Jesus, he could have spoken food into existence. God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our skill sets, but God decides to bless us, to use us, to step in and to make a difference in this world. Some people have often said, well, you know, Mark, I, when it comes to the whole money conversation and, and spiritual things, it just seems like that's, that's so, I, I just want to talk about the depth of the Bible, and I want to know more about God. Listen, Jesus spoke more about cash 
money, your possessions than he did any other topic combined. And some were saying, yeah, but Mark, isn't that whole money conversation, the whole tithe thing, isn't that all the way back under Moses and the law and it's an Old Testament thing? And now, because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we live under grace and it's not about the law. Listen, God has been deploying us and our finances and our resources and our money way before the law. Here, check on the big screen. Genesis chapter 14. Way before Moses was even born, Abraham gave God a tenth of everything he had. Did God need the money? I mean, did God, like, was his shoes worn out? And God needed a new refrigerator at his house? No, God has used money, resources, humans, you, me, us. He's used us to change this world. He wants the world to be better and brighter. After Abraham, Jacob, Jacob made this vow. This memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything that he gives me. God has used this. He has, he has trained disciples, you, me, us, to set aside so that we can step in and make a difference in this. There are problems in this world. How much longer will we sit and just talk about all the problems? When will we begin to believe that God has equipped us to step into the world and to become the solutions to the problems that are in the world? Hey, 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 send these people away. Tell them to go back to their own villages. And then Jesus looks and he says, you feed them. In the end of, end of Genesis chapter 41 a famine was coming on the land, and because Joseph understood wise money ma management principles, in other words, you don't spend more than you have, and it's actually a wise thing. When Grandma used to say, put away a little something for a rainy day, it's a really wise, wise decision. Why? Because there are famines that come. There are moments when the economy turns down. Notice what the Bible says. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. They had saved. They had prepared. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, listen to what the scripture says. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. An ambassador. An ambassador. The United States of America has ambassadors. This morning, they are waking up in a foreign country. They are a citizen of the United States of America. But this morning, they find themselves waking up in a foreign land with one mission. To be the representation of the United States of America in a foreign country. That's an ambassador. You and I as Christ followers... Are you? I don't know. That's something you're working out in your mind with God. We are foreigners in this land, the Bible says. The Bible says we have a kingdom that is yet to come. That my ultimate kingdom is not based on the Constitution. My ultimate kingdom is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The declaration that God sent his only son and the only way for you and I to have hope and freedom is in Christ Jesus. I am an ambassador. 
Mark David Cummins, yes, I'm in the soil on the earth, but my residence, my heart, my energy, my passion, my focus is rooted in his kingdom. I'm an ambassador. Do you believe that? Do you think that? Do you schedule your outlook calendar that way? Do you deploy your cash that way? Or are we waking up on this last Sunday in July in 2022, much like the disciples? Yo, there's a problem. Jesus, send it away from us. Let us have our nice little Christian bubble in America. Get me in the southeast area where there's no problems, no pressures all around me. I want my kids to be in a problem-free zone. I want this bubble. Send them away. And this morning, if you're listening, the Spirit of God is saying to Christ followers, you feed them. You you step in. You make the difference. I have equipped you. I have skilled you. I've given you your brain. I've given you the ability. All that is needed to make this world better and brighter is not wrapped up in an election. It's wrapped up in you and I deciding to step out and to be his ambassadors. Here, check out some research that I put together for you. It'll be in the weekend recap. The average multiple resources, in other words, I did some research, looked at the Barna Group, different denominational surveys, all kinds of different denominations, and IRS government records. It appears that 5% of churchgoers tithe or give 10% of their finances. So good news, about a few of you right here decide to trust God with your finances. The rest of us, not, not so much. On average, Christians give only 2.5%. Now listen, don't beat yourself up and don't be sitting there and feeling guilty this morning. The disciples, where we are in the Bible, they did the very same thing. Hey, hey, listen, we ain't got enough. Send the problem away push it away from us, cover it up. And then Jesus says, no, 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 no. You serve them. Now, now watch this. This average includes 40% who don't give at all. The averages are somewhat skewed, so I just want to say that for clarity. I get that the averages are skewed. Why? One, incomes over $2 million give more, right? Incomes of 25000 to 50000 give even more. And what I really found interesting in this is that incomes under 25000 give even more. Above. The highest percentage of givers are those who make. Now, here, here's the challenging part. When you look at that 50000 to $2 million, which is where most of us probably live, somewhere in there, right? I mean, it's like that's That's who struggles the most. If I were to summarize this, it would be that those who have the least, right, are actually giving the most. And God's plan has always been not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. That's why when you go back to your Bible and you look at Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, the Bible says this, Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? He says, in tithes and offerings. So look at Malachi 3 and 10 now. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Let let me just pause. Let me just, listen. Everybody just exhale for a moment. Just just relax. 
God's not mad at you. God's not against you. Whatever little voice that's going off in your brain right now that's trying to tell you that you're no good because you're in the 5% or you're in the 2% or you're in the whatever percent. Listen, God loves you. You and I can't do anything today to cause God to love us anymore. One person believes that with me. The rest are like, oh, I don't know. I'm just telling you, just relax a minute. Just relax. God's word, Jesus, is setting us up to have our best life ever. Most of us have trusted God in the end of our story. We have trusted that, hey, when we die, that because of Jesus, we will have hope in heaven forever, right? That's really, that's really good news. Notice what he goes on to say. He says this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. The only place in the Bible where God says that we can test him. Test him in this and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So here, look at this second slide. So according to Relevant Magazine by Mike Holmes, Relevant Magazine is... Similar, if, if you're, uh, this doesn't sound very spiritual, but if, like if, if your industry has a trade magazine uh, for drywall or for real estate or whatever it might be, right? Relevant magazine is kind of like that, something that, that pastors, uh, people who are in ministry read. According to an article in Relevant magazine by Mike Holmes, if Christian believers were to trust God at his word, and increase their financial giving to 10%. In other words, if all of us in this room, right, would just trust God that if God, not if, we would just trust God and that whatever you make, that 10% is gonna be deployed. So men and women, boys and girls, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas in Ocala and around the world will hear the story of Jesus. He says an additional 165 billion would be in play to share Jesus around the world. Now look at the next statistics. 25 billion would resolve world hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable disease in five years. We all say that that's a problem. We all say that, my goodness, shouldn't somebody do something about it? God's already got the answer. God already says, listen, the money's already in, in play 12 billion would eliminate illiteracy in five years. In five years, we would take young people to a place where they can read, and when you can read, you can learn, and when you learn, you can grow and understand, and you can excel in life. 15 billion would solve the world's water and sanitation issues. One billion would cover all overseas missions. Those of you who are parents or have relatives who are in missions work, instead of them having to go and beg and borrow and plead, they would already be in play for all the world missions work overseas. And then watch at the bottom, 100 to 110 billion would be left over. Just if we decided today that we're gonna trust God at his word. That we as Christ followers, hey, listen, we're not going to do, do less. We're not going to do more. We're going to just trust God and lean in and listen to Jesus. And he says, yeah, there's a problem. There's no food for all these people. You feed them. You step in. I've given you the resources. You feed them. So how do we, you, me, us, change our mindset and begin to partner 
with God to solve the problems in the world today. I'm so glad that you asked. If you got your number two pencil, write a couple things down. Number one is this. Attach your giving to your relationship with God. One of the reasons we, we don't give is because the relationship is less than. Here's what I know about everybody in this room. The people closest to you, you would give your life for them. There wouldn't be a conversation. You'd give your life. You would do whatever it takes. Parents and grandparents, you give very generously. You sacrifice private school. You want your kids to have best. You give generously to the people that you have depth of a relationship with. So you and I today should wrestle with what is the depth of my relationship with God? What, what does it, what causes me, what's going on in my relationship with Jesus that when it comes to the idea of me leaning in at a minimum of 10% that I struggle with that? I'm telling you, I would not show up in Linda's life and say, hey, Lynn, I'm tithing on our relationship today. I'm giving you 10% of me, 10% of my time, 10% of my love. But I'm giving Linda everything that I've got. It's based on the relationship. Notice Matthew 22 and 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And the second, like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Deuteronomy 8 and 18. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Do you believe that? Do you believe that your ability to go to school, get that education, get that degree, put together a resume... Go through the job interview and get the job is a direct gift from God, or is it all about you? See, that's relationship. The foundation in believing that, that, yeah, you had to study, you had to take the test, you had to put your bio together, you had to sit through that interview, you had the sweaty armpits, you had all the pressure, all the stress, I get that. But it's at the foundation, do you believe that God's the one who's given you the mind? To understand God's given you the physical ability this is all rooted in relationship connect giving to your relationship with God when you do that you give generously here's the second thing if you want to write it down decide what role you play in your relationship with God owner or manager in your relationship with God it's you and God it's not you and the church. It's not you and a pastor. It's you and God. Are you the owner? Or are you the manager? See, when you begin to wrestle through that question and you begin to understand what role, then you'll begin to understand either why you are generous or why perhaps you're not. It goes back to ownership or stewardship. 1 Corinthians 10 and 26. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I really believe that. Like, I really believe that little 0.79 acres that I live on belongs to God. I really believe that my house, I really believe that my car, everything that I've got, it belongs to God. Listen, I did not create that piece of earth. I did not create the ability to make a living. All that comes from God. That's not being lazy. That's not having apathy. That's not 
any other adjective. It's me understanding at the root, at the foundation of everything that I am, I believe the Bible, that everything in the earth belongs to God. Genesis 2 and 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Adam didn't create the garden. God created the garden. And God called Adam to be a steward of the garden. I believe God's called me to be a steward. My relationship with God, he's the owner. He is large and in charge. My name is Mark. I am his manager. I manage time, 1,440 minutes that he'll give me in this day. I manage the lights that are flickering right now. God's saying amen. That's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, everybody listen now. Mark's on to something here. Lean in. Listen really good. Mark's got something going on, right? And so, so, so listen, I, I manage time. I manage resources because he's in control. Check out 1 Peter 4 and 7 from the message. Everything in the world is about to be wrapped up. I kind of believe that. I've taught series in the past and second coming of Jesus, that's not for this morning. But when you look at the trajectory of our world, you see this globalization. You see this effort to want a one world leader who will step in and control the whole world. Everything in the world is about to be wrapped up, Peter said. So take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. Most of all, Love each other as if your life depended on it. You want to talk about making the world better and brighter. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless cheerfully. Be generous with all the different things God gave you, passing them around so all get in on it. If words, let it be God's words. If help, let it be God's hearty help. That way, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus, and he'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything. On course to the end of time, oh, yes. You got to decide. Are you owner or your manager? Here's the third thing, if you're writing things down, is at the end of the day, you got to believe God at his word. My name's Mark. I'm on the same dusty trail that you are. That's why I open to the Bible. We teach from the Bible. I point to you what God has to say. At some point, you've got to decide if you're going to trust God at his word or not. The whole issue in mankind started in Genesis. God said, enjoy everything except for this tree. Don't touch it. Don't, leave, don't have anything to do with it. And the first mom and dad, they're like, ah, I know God said it, but did he really mean it? And I think if you look at it in a different version, and according to this pastor or that priest or that denomination, hey, at the end of the day, the ultimate conversation that will mark your life for eternity will be the conversation between you and your God. Because after our last breath, that's who you have a conversation with. So you've got to decide if you're going to believe him in his word. Luke 3 and 11, John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with one who has none. And anyone who has food should do this for the same. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, great. So what do I do? I start walking down the road, and there's a homeless person, or there's somebody here. Let me take my shirt off. Let me give this to you. And I want to teach this next few minutes with, with empathy 
but I also want some clarity because it is possible that our helping people can actually hurt people. We can actually give and enable somebody to walk further away from God. We call this misplaced compassion. Yes, you're compassionate. You see that person, they're asking for whatever, and you're like, hey, listen, I want to give to them. I mean, the Bible just says, I mean, if you got two shirts, my goodness, I have 20 shirts. I'm going to give this shirt to that person. It's important that we understand our role. Jesus, when he said to them, you feed them, the whole point is to turn people's attention from their problem, their lack of, to see their solution is in Jesus. We give not so that we feel better, like, hey, look what I just did. That person isn't having a real good life. Let me just give them a token gift, and they can be on their way. That's not biblical giving. Biblical giving understands that we're not called by God just to give handouts, but to give a hand up so that people can be who God has created them to be. And I know what some are thinking because I've heard it and I understand it. You're like, hey, listen, Mark. Hey, I just give it to them. What they do with it, that's between them and the Lord. And I think there's good intentions in that statement. I, I don't think someone's saying that out of misplaced intentions. But if I could lean into your space a little bit and still be your friend, it's a lazy mindset. You, you, you don't just say, I'm a hey, hey, hey. I'm a dad. This is my daughter, Emily. Go ahead. Hey, I'm giving her to you, Johnny. Take her out on a date. What you do with her, it's between you and God. I just kind of give it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. There's a reason why we're going to the firing range, Ben. It's for guys just like that. But then we got to say, well, you know what, Mark? I just kind of give it to them. Hey, hey, listen. There are many times, some of you have been with me in my car, and we've driven off the interstate, and, and someone's asking for some money and whatever, and, and it takes us an extra 10 minutes to go through a fast food, come back and give them food. But I'm not going to put cash in someone's hand and let them go and put it up their nose. You know, oh, but Mark, that's kind of being judgmental. Oh, it's not being judgmental at all. I want that person to discover that the ultimate high is in Jesus. So sometimes, not always, but sometimes are helping. That's why at Hope, when people ask for a benevolence, help, we ask some hard questions, and we get criticized, and our staff has been cussed out and whatever. But we're not going to just write check. Number one, every dollar that's at Hope doesn't belong to a guy named Mark, doesn't belong to you, it all belongs to God. And so when we lean in to missionaries or we lean into local nonprofits or we lean into giving somebody who right now, and I'm telling you, we might have had three calls through the entire pandemic for benevolence. Benevolence is when someone is having a hard time making their bills. They're having a hard time making the utility bill, gas. During the whole pandemic, we might have had three calls. That's probably more. In the last three weeks, I'm telling you, the phone has not stopped ringing. Now, some of that's all bogus. They call, we begin to walk them through the process, we start to ask some questions, and they're not, looking, they're not looking for that. Why do we do that? We do that because I want men and women to understand 
that the ultimate solution that they're looking for isn't in making this month's utility bill. If it's a need and, it, and there's a plan to pay the next month, we want to step in, we want to budget, we want to help them. You can see on the big screen here some great resources uh, from Dave Ramsey. Uh, you can go right to the website. Ironically, I didn't call Dave, and Dave didn't tell me he was running a sale. Uh, but right now, you can go to the website. Financial Peace is, is on sale, and you can learn all about uh, all the different ways that they can help. You can come and help me out in the back. Come on, help me. There we go. Tools to simplify your life. You can see all these different things. Just go there. Today is the day to plan not, not in the middle of a hurricane. You get your hurricane supplies in June because we know that there's a storm coming. There's always going to be financial storms. And Dave Ramsey is a great help. We want people to find their solution. And that's what I love about Dave. He takes the financial pressure and tension and stress that we all have, and he puts it in a biblical context for us. Matthew 6 and 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's the last thing. You can write it down. We'll be done. I understand talking about money and cash can feel a little bit um, uncomfortable. Um, but I, here's what I know about being uncomfortable. No matter where it is, in a relationship, uh, in your physical body, uh, in your emotions, when you and I go through that, we always grow. We get, we get better. And that's what I want for you. I want us to get better, not just to go through life, but to grow through life, to understand none of us has to settle. We all believe in the, no, I shouldn't say we all, but many of you, I look in your eyes, I know you, I've been with you for years. You believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, following Jesus isn't a prayer that you did at Easter, and now I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, and now I limp through the rest of my life. He has given us the victory. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Therefore, my friends in person, my friends online, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Because you know that your labor, what we do, is not in vain. So number four is this, is give to connect people to Christ, changing the world one person at a time. Don't, don't give so that you think that, you know, God's going to love you more because that's not what the Bible says. Give because you want your life to be on mission. You want the men and the women in the world who don't know Jesus to discover that there is hope in Jesus Christ. When you place your mindset in that space, all the other pressure points, they begin to have meaning and understanding. I've shared this story with you in the past about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done. There's an, the most important job in the world is for everybody to know Jesus. Your job, your job has value. I'm thankful for your part that you play in the economy. Your job as a husband and a wife has value. Your job as a parent, as a child, as an athlete. A lot of things we do are really, they're good. But I'm telling you, the most important job in the galaxy is letting the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit from the tips of my toe to the top of my head to live my life in a way that the people around me understand that life is at its best 
with Jesus Christ. And the only way to leave this life is with Jesus Christ. That is your most important task ever as a Christ follower, if you're a Christ follower. If you're a church attender, that's not so important to you. If church attendance would have changed the world, America wouldn't be in the condition it is today. It's important. We come together, we gather, then we go out and we give our lives people to become connected to Jesus. So this important job to be done, and everybody was asked to do it. Everybody in this room has been asked to do it. Everybody online, you've been asked to do it. Everybody was sure somebody would do it, and anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. And if you know what breaks God's heart this morning, it's too often that's the role many of us are playing. Let's be people who sees the problems. They're for real. And you can't fix every problem. But God will open up your eyes. The Holy Spirit will guide you and direct you. And the sphere of influence that you're in, step into that space. Be generous with your resources. Be generous with your time. one minute to share this story with you. We made a decision this year that we were going to lean into the foster care space. I can't think of, there are a lot of things that touch the heart of God, but the Bible says in James, ultimately pure religion is to take care of widows and orphans. And so many of you had signed up for the class, thank you, and um, we're going to make a difference in this space. But the real difference in foster care is getting on the front side before the family blows up and those precious children go into foster care. And so God, and I I can't share all the details yet, but God miraculously has connected us with a brand new partner and all the finances that we're going to be able to do something in Ocala, Marion County, probably Lake County, where we're actually stepping in front of families, your families, online your families, and helping that family be healthy and whole before it becomes fragmented and divided and those children end up in foster care space. Absolutely. And let me tell you, the reason reason that that's all going to happen is because um, somebody decided to get really, really, really generous. Somebody decided that their five loaves and two fishes were going to be used. And that's a part of the story we didn't have any time, and it's 10 o'clock, and I don't have any time to talk more about it. But imagine how that whole story changed if that little boy says, give me my loaves and my fishes. Go find your own. I'll take the story all the way back. Imagine earlier that morning, somebody got up and packed that boy's lunch. What if that person said, you know what? It's too early. I'm not getting up today. I'm not packing my mouth. He can stop at Wawa along the way. 
there's always somebody who decides. Let's be the somebodies. Let's not look to everybody, anybody, and nobody. Let's be the somebodies who step up into wherever God's got you to be who God's created you to be. I'm going to pray over us. If you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, the ultimate gift is giving your heart to Jesus. Jesus gave you his life. And in this closing prayer, it could become the beginning of your relationship with Jesus. Pray with me, would you? Father in heaven, I love you. And I, I thank you for this summer, this series of journeys with you, Jesus, the Messiah. The way that you used Michael Belt to photograph these stories. The behind-the-scene videos that have gone out with all of the weekend recaps. God, I'm a different man. Not because of a vacation this summer. Not because of a, of a beach trip. But because of your word. And I want to keep journeying with you into the fall. God, I ask for some friends who are here or online who've never begun a relationship with you. May this be the day unlike any other day. And if that's you, right where you're at, would you just say, hey, Jesus, I give you my heart. I can't fix me. The ultimate problem is my sin. And I realize, Jesus, you are the solution. You became alive again. And right now, I trust you as my Savior. Come into my life. And God, to all who are praying that prayer, may they step off this campus today. May they move away from their computer screen, wherever they're watching online with a new sense of freedom and a new resolve that you in them and you with them and you for them will give them the strength to be who you created them to be day by day. I sure do love you. We pray everything in the name of Jesus. Amen.